Oh, just let me um, let me take off my shirt first. <laughs> Anytime. There we go. Podcasting always makes me sweaty. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cheap Smut. My name is Katie Mizell. And my name is Carl Mizell. And this is a podcast that is recording on Friday the 13th, you lucky, lucky bastards. And you get to hear it on Monday the 15th, which is a notorious podcasting day. I, I, I is got it Monday nothing. the 16th? Uh. 1456 yeah see i don't fucking know how time works i don't care time is a construct it's fine i don't care about any of it how are you i'm okay yeah i mean you know today today was not a good day for me um it wasn't a good day around here (laughs) just just a couple of sad bastards yeah just just walking around being irritable and trying to do chores and shit (laughs) yeah but i you know this is the highlight of the week here this is always the time where we get to uh, sit down and spend uh, an hour of unfettered, ch- you know, time without the children, and the dog seems to be cooperating right now. Yeah, he's sitting in my lap, yeah. being a sweet boy. Yeah. So so far so good. Let's keep that energy, himbo. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we get that out of the way. It's a big day. It's a big record. We already. Yeah. You you were irritable. I was irritable, but we're doing better. We'll ramp up for the show. And let's just get right into it because we've got a lot to cover mm-hmm. in addition to the actual episode in the yes. book that we're covering mm-hmm. because there are uh, a lot of authors releasing a lot of books. Yes. Today the, is a big day yeah. for smut lovers, yeah, especially t- the monster fuckers. I was going to say, t- obviously, you, we just talked about how time works. We are recording on the release day, but by the time you he- you hear this uh, the books will have already been out for a couple of days, but that just means that you will have unfettered access to those books. Yeah. And what books will our listeners have unfettered access to? Okay, so there's three big ones that are coming out that came out today. The first one is For the Love of Villains. It's an anthology. Over 20 new villainous romances from 24 authors. Fantastic. This book features a novella by R.E. Johnson called Sons and Daughters of Sin, Part 1, greed and she was kind enough to send me the arc of sons and daughters of sin and i finished it today but i started reading it the other day it's wild man it is so it's the basic premise is the children of the monarchs of hell the princess of lust the prince of greed and the prince of wrath get themselves like embroiled in a plot and they have to figure out who's after them and what's happening and what's going wrong. And along the way, they happen to have fucking wild sex. <laughs> this is for the the dark romance readers, the toxic lovers, the hardcore kinksters, people who love scales and tails and horns and wings. And I have to assume that everything else in the anthology is going to be similar. It's literally three anti-heroes being anti-heroic and filthy. <laughs> it was really, really good. Also, the, the I read it and it, it forced my brain to coin the term hated mates. <laughs> uh, like faded mates, but the two men can't fucking stand each other, but also are faded mates and like incredibly attracted to each other at the same time so it was a very interesting dynamic it was literally like they fought and then fucked there is- are we gonna fight or fuck <laughs> both <laughs> why not both por que no las dos go go out there and uh and make that uh that term a thing listeners hated, hated mates. mates yep also weird dicks with knots and one of carl's least favorite words associated with penises barbs <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even sleep with a woman named Barb. That's how much I hate the idea. Barbara? No. Barbie? Nope. If you, if Babs. Yes. Babs. Okay. I will accept Babs. Babs. All right. But uh, if 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 the letters B A and R are anywhere in your name, I'm sorry. You're off. What if they're not in that order, Doesn't like matter. Sabrina? If, if you can, sp- if you can spell Barb with it, that's how much I. <laughs> that's how much I hate. That's it. why you love me, because my name is Katie. Th- th- you can't you... even kind of spell Barb with that. Nope. Yeah. All right. There's not a, not a B to be found. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> so moving on yeah. from from Carl's weird aversion to Barbara's. Uh, the second book that's coming out is the Creepy Court Anthology. That's right. We talked about it briefly with C. Rochelle on our interview episode with her, um, but it is a huge anthology of monster fuckers and creepy romances from some of... Some huge names, some beloved names. Cleo Evans, Beatrix Hollow, Vera Valentine, Latrexa Nova, C. Rochelle, Ren K. Morris, L.M. Drew, Ashley Bennett. Yeah. It's just like a, it's like a who's who of, of monster lovers out there. Does, that one's going to be great. And uh, the aesthetics are so cool. That VHS tape thing in the yeah. 80s mall. It's a smutty smorgasbord. Yeah. Super fun. And then perhaps maybe the most important to me personally is the premiere of Seduced by the Swamp Creature by Ivana Schloppycock. Ivana Schloppycock <laughs> is A, a fantastic name. Yes. <laughs> I became friends with her on TikTok. I, I don't remember who found whom first, uh, but she is an author. She has an, another pen name under, w- under which she writes horror, but I was talking to her the other day. She reached out to me to talk to me and now we're best friends forever and ever. This is uh, like smut is just where she gets where she has all of her fun. Mm-hmm. And um, she decided to write under the pen name Ivana Schloppycock. Ivana Schloppycock. Wow. Um, and then her TikTok in every TikTok, she is wearing a creature from the Black Lagoon mask mm-hmm. and her cleavage is out. <laughs> and I just think it's the most brilliant and beautiful. She it, she's got like a Chuck Tingle vibe. She, it, she this incredible aesthetic of like I love smut, but I don't take myself too seriously. It's exactly up my alley. Mm-hmm. So seduced by the swamp creature. I just wrote a tiny blurb about it. Oh, and I wanted to show you the cover because I thought it was hilarious and very fun. Yeah, I I saw the cover. Did you see? Oh, oh yeah, because you put it in a TikTok. I did. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I did. But anyway. Yep. That, yep that's the one. The cover. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's got that excellent sort of like pulpy. Yeah. It looks like an old pump, pulp fiction novel. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Exactly. Like it's the got e- a, like, um, like a Harlequin romance thing yeah, about I, it. I was going to say like, like EC Comics, like pre-comic authority. Mm-hmm. Like it has that sort of vibe on the cover there so it it, yeah. it it looks fantastic and i'm sure that at some point we will be reading oh i already show. bought it yeah there you go <laughs> i bought it today yeah. um so the little blurb i wrote for it is darla jean is looking for love she never expected to find it in the arms of gill a swamp creature <laughs> from the louisiana bayou yeah gill. his name's gill yeah I love it. It's fucking hilarious. So it's got, this is, like I said, it's Ivana's debut monster erotica novel. It's got, it's got classic universal monster horror vibes and Harlequin romance vibes. I'm, I'm looking forward to it so much. I'm going to read it over the weekend, whether or not we cover it on the show now or later. Doesn't matter. I'm reading it immediately because it looks like so much fun. If any of you guys want to read it with me, I would really love that. Actually, if we could figure out a way to like, gr- like have a little like, smutty book club. Oh, I, reach I, out to me on social media if you got some ideas about uh, that. Great, now I got to start a Discord. Oh, oh no, Carl has to start a Discord. I don't want to start a Discord. I just started figuring Discord out. I don't really understand it, but that's where we. I'm just our kidding. Friends, I so. will. I will totally start. I <laughs> I figured everything else out. I figured out TikTok, or I'm figuring out TikTok. I, I, I learn one thing on a platform, and then I just drive it into the ground. That's why I'm doing all the green screen videos because yep. it was so easy to figure out. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to figure out stitches here pretty soon. But I was yeah, stitches I, are pretty yeah, pretty easy. I can I I can handle a Discord. So may, yeah, maybe why don't we we uh, fire up a Discord and get a smutty Discord going? We can oh, have all I kinds would love of to do that. channels and all that kind of stuff. That would be great. I would love to do that. Let's uh let's work on that and then maybe we can announce something as soon as we have it settled. Yes, and let's figure it out. But for now, we're going to talk about Blood Moon by Gwendolyn Harper, the second book in her zombie apocalypse romance trilogy. It we read the first book bloody sunrise Mm -hmm. like two two months ago now or something like that yeah it has lived inside of me ever since because it was so darn good and i'm i've been waiting to read it in to read this one first spooky smuttober this book is sort of the reason i decided to start spooky smuttober this book and the holoqueen are the reason i decided to start spooky smuttober so i've been really really excited to read it so i'm excited to get into it this book is available for three dollars and 99 cents or through kindle unlimited it is 153 pages again it ends on a cliffhanger 
the third book is already available and has been for quite a while. So you don't have to wait for the third one because that's always a nightmare. Yeah. Waiting for the third one on a cliffhanger is like, I might as well just jump off the cliff at this point. This is, (laughs) I don't think I can live with this feeling, you know? I can't wait for this book! Exactly. It was a nice Doppler effect. Nice. Thanks. Nicely done. It's not my first time around a microphone. (laughs) It's your third. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I'm doing so good. You're doing such a good job. I'm so proud of you. The first time you looked at it and screamed and threw it. So (laughs) you're doing better. (laughs) Okay. So the first thing that we're going to do is a recap of Bloody Sunrise, just so new listeners know what we're going into. And then we'll get into our content warnings and we'll slide into our story. All right. Yes, let's. All right. So Bloody Sunrise. Our FMC, Caitlin Meadows, survived a plane crash while flying from Atlanta to California, only to then find herself in the middle of a Walking Dead-style zombie apocalypse, where she met our MMC, Jack Booker, just Booker, for the rest of the book, who is an expert survivalist and former Marine, now traumatized by his the part that he played in the initial outbreak of the virus. They traveled together through the American South, um, scavenging, constantly on the move, fighting zombies, also known as geeks or groaners or biters. There's a lot of different things they call zombies in these in this book. They are they survived bad humans and zombies and avoided convoys of military exterminators in their quest to just survive. Um, after finding Caitlin's friend Nicole and settling into an abandoned rural farmhouse, Booker was injured by an exposed nail and developed a, a life-threatening infection. Caitlin took a solo trip to the nearest pharmacy to scavenge medications, but was attacked by two drug-seeking hicks and did what she had to do to survive. She suffered a head injury and was traumatized by her experience. Caitlin is now headed back to the farmhouse with the hopes of saving Booker before the fever kills him. Uh, Just as a point of reference, A, that was a great recap. Thank you. Uh, I can actually tell a story in a reasonable amount of time. I just don't. (laughs) It'd be the worst podcast. Well, it would. (laughs) We could do a daily podcast. (laughs) I could tell you you the entire book in like five seconds, but it would be boring. Right. Uh, And then B... For a point of reference for the listeners, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, it is episode 21. Oh, thank you so much. And episode 32 today. Yeah, so this is episode 32. So it's about 11 the, episodes ago. Yeah. Two months. Two and a half. Yeah, almost three. Yeah. All right. So our content warnings for Blood Moon. Zombies. Blood. Gore, death, violence, gun violence, trauma, post-traumatic stress, descriptions of decomposing zombies, discussions of infertility, medical abuse of minors, not depicted on page. And our tropes are found family, nursing, like um, like nursing him back to health. Mm-hmm. That's a trope. And surviving trauma or overcoming trauma. There's not a lot of like your traditional romance tropes that I could just like pluck out, but it's... It's above all that. It's better than that. God, I love this book. God, I love these books. Okay, sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to imply that these books are better than other books. I swear to God, I love them all equally like my children. All right. So at the start of the book, Booker is hallucinating. He thinks that Nicole is Caitlin and he is begging her to leave him behind and let him die. Um, he apologizes that they didn't have more time together. And Nicole's like, I'm, I'm not. I'm not her. Did we, did you cover, I I was looking up the episode. Did you mention Nicole in the recap? Yes, I did. Okay. Like I said, I was, I was doing that off. I just want to make sure. They found Nicole. They are with Nicole. Caitlin left Booker with Nicole. Right. Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure. Um, Thank you. So yeah, Nicole's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not Caitlin. You got to stop calling me songbird. I'm not Caitlin. That's what he calls. Caitlin. He calls her songbird. It's very cute. After a, fairly uneventful walk back home although she is concussed she has a bleeding head wound she's nauseous and she has been traumatized by her altercation with the hicks caitlin has to stop briefly to kill one zombie via a hatchet to the face and uh then she gets back home she gives brooker his first round of meds um nicole cleans and sutures the wound on her head and then she sits down in a rocking chair by brooker's bed and falls asleep and does not leave that that chair for days until he is well enough to get up and start walking around again. Booker recovers pretty slowly and Caitlin struggles with the emotional aftermath, aftermath, (laughs) the emotional aftermath of the pharmacy encounter. God damn. I mean to myself when I write my notes, I write, I write words that make me more Midwestern. 
Um, <laughs> Including the word Midwestern. Midwestern. <laughs> Tensions are high. Uh, supplies <laughs> and fuel are low. And now they... <laughs> and Caitlin approaches a couple of zombies and says, oh, I'm just going to sneak right back past you there. And uh, she trips and falls and says, oofta. Oofta. <laughs> this never would have happened if you'd have eaten my tater tot hot dish. <laughs> I've never had a tater tot hot dish. I don't know why that is like a universal, like understood, like Midwestern thing. Baby. Hot dish or casseroles. You are a tater tot hot dish. Oh my God. My little tater tot hot dish. That's the greatest compliment ever because I love tater tots. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. That made me feel a lot better. You're my little TTHD. My little tater tot hot dish. All right. Um, all right. So. Tensions are running high. Supplies and generator fuel are running low. And now they have to decide what they're going to do. Are they going to stay here and try and fortify and survive? Are they going to move on um, and find somewhere else to settle? Or are they going to try and find friends and family? At this point, Nicole and Caitlin start arguing about the possibility of finding anyone. Like, what are the fucking odds? But Nicole is not going to give up because her husband, Scott, is still out there somewhere, mm-hmm. she thinks, she hopes. And, and, and he's a doctor. Yes, he is a doctor. Which is how Nicole knows how to do the suturing and yeah, all that stuff. Yes, and knows how to, like, what medications to get Booker. Look, Look at, at me. you. You remembered a lot of this. Well, it was your recap. Uh, you, your recap was so good that, like, as you were going, you were like unlocking like chunks of the. I was like, oh, oh yeah. I remember that. I remember it was like that. Like the mystery that. science theater doors yeah. opening up for you as it, you remembered more stuff. Exactly. Oh, I'm so glad that my my recap was so good. Yay. Okay. So, Nicole is basically like, I found you. You crashed in Alabama. I escaped the military in Alabama. We found each other. Not Alabama. Georgia. G- Georgia. Anyway. Well, well, now, but Fort Benning, which is primarily in Georgia, does overlap into Alabama. So, okay. Yeah, realistically. Well, realistically. Either way. So, Nicole's like, look, we got separated before the apocalypse started in in two very different situations in Georgia and we found each other again in Mississippi a month and a half later. Like, I'm not going to give up on Scott because I found you in the middle of fucking nowhere. So, be cool. Yeah. And right. Caitlin, who at this point is sort of broken and like this whole book is I've been saying the word all day to you it's bleak. Yes. It is bleak. It's it's, it's like It's the road but with fucking I was literally just going to say it's like Cormac McCarthy <laughs> but with fucking <laughs> We share the same brain. <laughs> the road R O D E. Yeah. <laughs> it's like The Walking Dead but with significantly more fucking on page fucking i know there was a lot of fucking in the walking dead but it didn't happen on screen that often i don't think no it, it did happen on page in the comic oh. uh, every now and again okay uh but uh not not on the screen that much yeah but so it's, it's incredibly bleak everything is sort of awful and caitlin at this point is so broken by all of this that she has stopped having hope but after nicole goes off on her about how she's never giving up on scott caitlin's like well like i i am too I'm too weak to carry hope right now, but I'm going to let Nicole carry the hope for all of us. And I was just like, oh, no, don't do this to me. <laughs> I was worried. Like immediately I was worried Nicole was going to die because, you know, sometimes in books when you really start to love a side character, that's the moment they yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. Um, a cruel author trick. Yeah. Cruel. Make, but but Gwendolyn you like is, somebody and then kill them. Gwendolyn is not that cruel to me, at least not yet. Gwendolyn, I haven't read the third book yet. Don't make me punch you. Um <laughs> After they make up, they head they head back up to bed. Everybody is everything is chill, but tensions are still high. Like the vibe is off within the group. One evening, a vehicle pulls up to the house, and a woman gets out and is like, "Help me, my brother is hurt." But then they actually look out the window, and there's four people, not two people, and they're armed. Um, <laughs> so they're not going to let them into the house. Booker and Caitlin end up um, getting the group to leave with a few well placed warning shots. And some clever communication skills. So you remember how I said in the first episode, our first book about this, that uh, they communicate like via whistles. Yeah, they did that again, and it reminded me of how how strong like their unspoken connection is. Booker just like whistled up the stairs. He was he was yelling out of the door mm-hmm. from behind the door to the people on the porch, and just like whistled like a bird. And Caitlin was like, "I know what that means. It means slightly to the left and down." whoa (laughs) you guys are really tight good for you though like i believe it yeah i believe it i just 
can't imagine it because I would be like, oh, what What does two whistles mean again? I'm just a terrible. Does it mean <laughs> sit on your face? <laughs> or up and to the left. <laughs> exactly. I'm a terrible whistler. I couldn't do that. After this encounter is over, they get the group to leave. This has helped solidify their decision. It is time for them to move on. What what they do next, they haven't decided, but they're not going to stay at this location anymore. So, yeah, because if, if one group of per- people find you, yeah. another group of people is going to find exactly. you eventually. Exactly. Um, there seems to be more of a problem with scavengers, more people trying to survive but doing it the wrong way or the, the not good people trying to survive, bad people trying to survive, you know? Yeah. So it, that becomes a threat as well that they have to continue to contend with. Oh, yeah. And, and, and plus, the longer something like this goes on, the more desperate people are going to become. Oh, absolutely. Just, I mean, I didn't watch The Walking Dead, but I'm pretty sure I remember a season that was about like a town full of cannibals, like people eating people because the food supply was so low. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that happened well after I, I I jumped off in like season three. Yeah. And it's like horrific and morally indefensible as as eating people is. It's the kind of thing I would totally believe happening in a zombie apocalypse. You run out of food, you eat people. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? I'd make a hell of a ragu out of a person if I had to. <laughs> oh my god, I just remembered another zombie romance I read years ago where they like killed a guy. They were both zombies though. And they like roasted him and put all his parts in the fridge and like ate him with mustard. I just remembered that. Oh god. Okay. Yeah. Where's the foot? <laughs> I, was gonna... I told you guys I was claiming the foot. You guys know I have a thing for feet and not like that. Gross. Not like that. Yes. Yes. Like that, Stephen. We know you like the feet. <sighs> Nasty ass. All you own is Tarantino movies. We get it. Can <laughs> you zombie with a foot fetish? I just. <laughs> Damn. Okay. That's that's not a thought I thought I would have ever. And now it's in here and it's never going to leave again. It's right here in the noggin. Okay. So Caitlin tells Booker about the pharmacy, about what happened at the pharmacy. She's been keeping it to herself because she doesn't want Booker to blame himself for what happened to her. And she knows that he would. But she feels incredibly guilty about killing two men, but especially the second one. The first one, she hit in the head with a tire iron, but she was swinging blindly, just trying to get him off of her. The second one, she deliberately shot in the knee and let the zombies eat him while she ran away. And she felt she feels terrible about that because he begged like the guy begged her not to leave him behind. But sorry, my guy, you were going to kill her for the drugs in her backpack. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it's a justifiable murder personally. Bit hypocritical of you to to do that. To do what? (laughs) To uh, beg for mercy from the person (laughs) that you were trying to kill. I thought you were telling me I was hypocritical. (laughs) Excuse me, bitch. Yeah. You remember that time that you tried to kill me? (laughs) Uh, And then when I fought back, you were like, please don't hurt me. Yeah. No, no, I don't remember that time. Uh, Because it never happened. You couldn't hurt a fly. Uh, no, I could not. I mean, you could probably punch a Nazi or something, but not like a person. Oh, I'd punch the shit out of a Nazi. Yeah, but not a person. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like how you made that distinction. You said yes. a Nazi, but not a person. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. That's what I'm saying to you. Okay, so um, Booker tells her after she vents about what happened that no matter what she did or who she killed, it doesn't matter. She came home, and that's the only thing he's ever going to care about. The next day, they start gathering and organizing all the supplies that they can find in the house, s- food, Sheets, blankets, towels, soft goods, paper goods, literally anything they can fit in the back of their canvas back Jeep that they drive around. They close up the house for any sur- future survivors in need. They don't just leave it lying open for zombies to come in and wreck it or whatever. Um, and uh, they head out in the Jeep daybreak the next day. They're gone. It was nice while it lasted, but the farmhouse is in their past now. An action-packed near miss with a horde while siphoning gas at a used car lot. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Of course I remember it. I just read this book a couple days ago. But so they were trying to siphon gas from used cars and they didn't realize that the entire like the the big glass building that you sign the paperwork in (laughs) had a bunch of zombies inside of it. (laughs) I just love I can imagine the frame like the camera is across the street. You just see zombies milling about. Then the car pulls up. They get out. <laughs> They're just doing gas. They don't see the building. But then you can see in the back of the frame, you can see zombies starting to notice them. Yep. And they're not noticing the zombies. Yep. I yep. love that. Yep. The zombies break their way out of the building. And they siphon 
they have siphoned the gas. They run back to the Jeep. There's a firefight. Booker does manage to save the gas, though. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah. You, you went through all that trouble. <laughs> and then they drive away. Nicole behind the wheel. But Nicole... <laughs> This is a running a running gag through the rest of the book. Nicole does not know how to drive because she's from New York. And Booker's like, what the you fucking Yankee doesn't know how to drive? I can't believe I let you behind the wheel of the wheel of my my beautiful Jeep. He loves the Jeep. He calls it her. There's a, there's another there's a whole bit about that as well. The, Nicole and Caitlin making fun of him for gendering the Jeep. Yeah, um, but it's really funny. Um, so after all of that, they get away and they are safe. The vibe has been repaired between this group surviving a trauma or like a big actiony like a big adrenaline rush we'll do that for you so everything is finally back to normal they decide that they're going to start heading into the northern central united states expecting that the states that had more time and resources would have relocated art camps to like less dense parts of the country so they plan to sweep the central states for signs of arcs and then try to find scott and bust him loose if they can it's a long shot, but what, like they have something else to do? And what were the ARCs again? Oh, sorry. ARCs are the uh, military-run survivor camps, ARC-like Noah's Ark survivor camps that uh, were hastily assembled at the beginning of the outbreak and quickly became overrun. And they are now doors closed. Anyone who approaches an ARC gets shot. Um, oh, also military extermination units. I think I said that in the, in the recap. If... You come across a military vehicle, you have to run in the other direction immediately because they're going to kill you. Yeah. They're, they're just, their method of controlling the virus has become just kill everyone. If you're not inside an arc, you're fair game. Yeah. Gross. And Gross. It, and if this were to happen, I just want to, I want to comfort everybody. Uh, I used to work on the ranges uh, when I was in the military. Uh, as long as you get more than 100 meters away, you're probably okay. <laughs> Are they all just terrible shots? Not every, I mean, every unit has their, you know, mm -hmm. couple of people that are pretty good shots, but for the most part, not so great on those tables where the <laughs> targets are more than 100 meters away. I never shot at the 500 meter. Oh, okay. <laughs> Personally, I say I saved my, I saved my two rounds that I would have shot at the 500s in case I missed the 100s. No. <laughs> <laughs> so don't think I'm talking shit about everybody. I'm also telling them myself. Yeah, you're talking shit about yourself. That's yeah. fine. Um, so they decide they're going to go and do this. It's it's a long shot. They might not find anything, but it's not like they have anything else to do with their time. Um, so they start heading towards the northern central United States. Two weeks later, they are in Arkansas, tracking a local horde as they move around. Every time they come across a horde, they just sort of try and stay uh, behind it and then go around it as they can they set up camp in a clearing they have a solid routine at this point so they set up they do a security sweep they have their like hanging noisy things on wires and um, they keep a watch rotation everything's all established they're doing pretty good yeah. I mean pretty good for living on the road Nicole releases Caitlin from her watch shift and Caitlin goes to find Booker because Booker has dinner they haven't had much of a chance to be alone and now that they are, <laughs> it is time to have desperate to be together. It's been weeks and life is hard. Sex against a tree. You and, gotta, you gotta yeah. fuck against a tree every once yeah. in a while when life is going sideways. This is also the first time they've had sex since before Booker got sick. So it's been at least like a month. That's far too long. <laughs> so they need to, they need to get themselves back to center by yep. seeing each other naked and putting their genitals against each other's genitals. Yep. Um, so it's very it's a very sweet smut scene but it's also incredibly rough it's very loving but it's also really quick like they don't have a lot of time and they're a bit desperate for each other caitlin comes twice and then booker pulls out and like comes across like the back of her thighs mm -hmm. uh, and says like oh you should probably just like be careful so i guess we're doing the pull and pray like yeah. pull and pray activate <laughs> i hope i don't knock you up because there are no abortion doctors in the apocalypse yep Yikes. I wonder if you could scavenge Plan B from that Walgreens. Do you think Plan B got stolen? Probably not. Well, I don't know. It should have. I feel like that's the kind of thing you should steal. I, I think it's the kind of thing you should steal, but I think it's also the kind of thing that would get overlooked. Yeah, people wouldn't think of it. But also, knowing what I know about the, the, the stocking or like the inventory 
methods of pharmacies. They probably don't have a lot on the shelves anyway. So a couple of entrepreneurial people probably <laughs> snagged yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, you need a plan B. I'll trade you for a non-perishable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty decent bartering system when you've got. Yeah, if you if you <laughs> when you've got the abortifacients on hand. Look, man, if you want a raw dog in the apocalypse, <laughs> you need Plan B. Oh, for sure. For sure. The condom factories aren't running. No. Eventually they're going to run out of Trojans. So Exactly. <laughs> um so okay, back to the story. After they uh they reaffirm their love and their connection and I sw- I swear to god, I did not cry. It was real close though. They have such I love this couple. They have such as like a solid connection. They're mm-hmm. so they're so strong. And you know I hate that miscommunication trope and I hate those breakups. And I know that's not coming with Caitlin and Booker. Mm-hmm. They are solid. Everything around them is falling apart. <laughs> but the relationship itself is solid. And that's my favorite kind of that's my favorite kind of romance novel where the people together are great. It's them trying to solve outside problems that brings the tension and action to the book itself. Yeah. So much better than like just arguing about whether or not her hemline is too low or something. I don't know. Some dumb fucking Christian Grey bullshit. Mm-mm. Don't get me started. Anyway, uh, so okay, so the next day, while clearing a back road of a horde, a teenage boy comes out of the surrounding fields. They finish killing the zombies, and it's a great fight. Also, Nicole, who did not fight in the first book, is fighting now, and her preferred weapon is an aluminum baseball bat. Goddamn right. She just crushes zombie skulls and i can just imagine the sound of that being so satis- satisfying absolutely satisfying uh, that uh, that whoosh ting sound yep. but against a noggin but the old the old like the aluminum bats that i grew up using the ones that like you, you could hit a ball off at like 125 miles an hour yeah. totally unsafe yeah probably caused two of my concussions yeah that ping yes and uh, yes, blunt weapons, especially the aluminum bats, are the best. You know why? Reach. Well, that, and you you don't have to reload a oh, bat. Oh, you don't have to reload them. Yes, you don't have to reload a bat. That's why I have we have the um, glove mallets. Yep. And by the way, if you are concerned about personal security in your home and you don't want to own a firearm because many reasons why you may not want to, go to a sporting goods store, go to the baseball section, and buy a glove mallet. You can fit it in your uh, if you carry a purse or any kind of small bag. They're yeah. not that. I'll I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, they're um, great. Yeah, it's 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 a fucking club with yep. a big ball on the end of it. You could knock someone out with one of those things, no problem. We have two of them. I keep one in my bedside table. Yeah, I had one to you know break in you know my my ball gloves every season and you know break in a new glove, uh, and then you were like, eh. it's basically a small wooden mace that yeah. is extremely well balanced. Yes. Uh, so I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, maybe we can get a sponsorship. Absolutely, <laughs> but I think it's the best personal security option you can have, short of like a dog. Yeah. A fucking glove mallet. It has a little leather strap on it so you can fit your wrist into it so it doesn't go flying. You can just go ham. You can whack somebody with that shit. Anyway, so Nicole uses a bat. They beat the shit out of a bunch of zombies and get the teenaged boy that they found randomly in a field into the car. And then they make their exit. And once they are safe, they talk to this kid. His name is Travis and he is from a small farm town nearby. He is out trying to find medicine for his sick little brother. He is armed with a two by four um, and he was hoping to just sort of outrun the zombies because he's the fastest, but he would have definitely died if he hadn't come across them in in the moment. They take him back to his town where they find 27 survivors, mostly children, teens, and a few elderly people, a couple of women approximately their age, and one man in his 50s named George. Uh, who is a local science teacher and has a young daughter who is also amongst this group of people. They are all holed up in the town church, not because they're religious, but because it's the only space big enough to hold them all. These are mostly kids who were participating in a youth camp at the church when the outbreak started and elders from the nursing home up the street that they managed to get into the church. They've lost a lot of people. They once had a much larger group. They're doing the best they can, but they are holed up here and things are not going great for them. One of my favorite things, whenever you see like apocalyptic stories, I love the moment before. 
I love like when you can see like the idea of like what was going on with these kids. They were they were just at a summer camp. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Like just imagining where different groups of people could have been. Yeah. You know, like and in those moments, like as it was happening. Oh god. Why the last man? The comic. So the, sad. The amazing. Oh god. Why the last man makes me want to cry. The amazing comic book that was unfortunately turned into a, a a show that just didn't last on fx they handled that extremely extremely well uh the moment that the plague that wiped out every living thing on the planet earth with a y chromosome uh, except one man and his monkey one man and his delightfully adorable monkey named ampersand yeah i didn't want to divert too much but i just the, the, it just reminded me of one of my favorite storytelling devices mm-hmm. which is like the moment before yeah yeah Anyway. God, that's so tragic and sad. Again, bleak. It's bleak this week. There's not going to be... Last week, we were like on it, and it was so funny. This week, I was like, we're not going to be making jokes about this shit. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, challenge accepted. It's still a very good book, so I'm still telling the story. You know what I'm saying? So they, the group is welcomed into the church. They help where they can. Booker fixes a sink and a couple other things. Also, there's a sweet old lady there who thinks that Booker is her husband. And he is like, yeah, my grandma my grandma was the same way. Sometimes it's better to just go along with it. So he spends the next couple of days whenever she approaches him acting like he's her husband. He's like, yes, dear. And he helps her mm-hmm. and he does whatever she needs. And it's so cute. It's so sweet. And then it made me have a panic attack thinking about the elderly and what would happen to them in an actual apocalypse and how bad it would be. <sighs> anyway, so they talk with George and a couple of the other adults at the church about arcs where they might, if there is one around, if they've seen one or have any, like any idea of where one might be. They don't get much information, but they do get the name of a group called the rejects who will who may have more information about arcs that they've heard about it from like scavengers who have come into the town and stuff like that then caitlin and booker have a talk a capital t talk caitlin tells booker that she can't have children she is infertile she found that out long before the apocalypse and had sort of resigned herself to like if i want kids i'm gonna have to have ivf so fire away so exactly and well this doesn't it doesn't matter to booker whether or not she can have children it's probably better under the circumstances yeah uh, to not have a baby in the middle of a zombie apocalypse he does comfort her because it's a like it's a hard thing it's a hard thing to know that your body can't do that thing Mm -hmm. being infertile is a really difficult thing for a lot of people and booker is a very kind man who loves caitlin a lot so he just gives her the space she needs to have her feelings about it it was a lovely scene and then a very large horde over a hundred descends on the church a poorly secured door is almost their downfall and (laughs) they manage to secure it enough but they know that it's not going to hold so they have to figure out what they're going to do and travis says well zombies are like really attracted to fire i saw them walk like directly into a burning barn that got struck (laughs) by lightning so Maybe we can do something with that. Good idea, Travis. So George mixes up some like really nasty Molotovs because he's a science teacher. Mm -hmm. So he knows how to do that stuff. And then Travis, who's a former high school baseball player and therefore has the best throw, Mm -hmm. best arm, climbs up uh, into the steeple of the church to throw the bottles. He throws the bottles all the way into the road, which is good because he doesn't burn the field around the church. And zombies are too dumb for their own fucking good. And they just walk right into the fire and they become their own fuel. And the bigger the fire gets, the more zombies are attracted. In like 15 minutes, the entire horde is just a pyre. Zombies are so stupid. I love it. So they have survived this horde coming down on them perfectly fine. Everything is great. Later that day, Caitlin is asked to teach the kids some basic self-defense and um, weapons training. Not guns, but like... Hit them with something, kiddos. Uh, Booker teaches the adults and some of the elder teens basic gun safety and use just to be on the safe side. And then they start planning on leaving. Caitlin is devastated about that. She doesn't want to leave. She worries about the safety of this group because they remind her of the first group that she was with in that neighborhood right after the plane crash. The one that. that... 
she had to listen to them being slaughtered and there was nothing she could do to help. She doesn't want that to happen again. <laughs> and then the blood started leaking through the floor and she was yes. like, I gotta go. Yeah, I have to leave now. Goodbye. She wishes that she that all of them could come with them. At one point, Booker's like, what do you want me to do? Bring them all? And she's like, yeah, I do. But I know I can't. But I want you to. But I know we can't. It's not really possible. And she's aware of that. So the next morning when they're packing up to leave, they tell George that if something happens and they do have to leave to head northwest and look for red X's on major road signs, they will leave a path for them to follow in case they have to come looking for help. They'll know where to find safe help. And that is the end of their time in the church. One week later in Missouri, they come across a giant sign blocking the road, warning them to go back. They have an argument about what to do. Booker's like, absolutely not. But Caitlin and Nicole are like, fuck you. We, out- we outnumber you. <laughs> so they move, they move the sign out of the road and drive on. And they find a field of zombies just shuffling around. Tens of thousands of zombies wander in the plains of Missouri. <laughs> Caitlin thinks that she sees a man-made structure somewhere out there. So they pull up as close as they can get without the zombies noticing. And they realize it's a radio tower. So they start scanning the radio signals and they find a, a channel that's just emitting like a low humming vibration. And as soon as it starts playing in the car, the nearest zombies turn around and start walking toward them. And they start theorizing that this is a probably a military facility that's designed to lure the zombies away mm-hmm. from the nearest art camp using that frequency. It pulls them toward that sound and it also keeps them fairly docile. Yeah. Get a lighter. <laughs> that's what I thought. My first thought was like, good, you can burn them all. Burn them all. Yep. Uh, but they don't. They leave the zombie field and they go back the way they came. They set out there like they get out. They put their map on the hood of the car. You know, the whole thing. Oh, I love that. And they're they're talking about what to do next. And then they meet a man named Max and his German shepherd, Fancy. <laughs> oh, I love yes. the name Fancy for a dog. But I would I would be singing Fancy at them constantly. Uh, so it's course. probably best that we Here, didn't. Here's your one chance, Fancy. Don't let me do Yeah. Did your mama buy you a, a dancing dress? Are you going to go out and save the family, sweet baby? That would be me. <laughs> that would be me. Yes, it would. Yeah. <sighs> Immediately, I'd be like, are you going to take on sex work to save your family? <laughs> Are you going to take on sex work to save your family? Or are you going to do it? Oh, you sweet girl. Oh, you're so good. That would be me. Yeah, it would. I would do it. <laughs> I'm so glad you're laughing at that. Okay. Because it's fucking funny. It's hilarious. It's it obje- absolutely it's is. It's objectively funny. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Your baby voice talking to a dog about doing sex work. That's what The, the that lyrics of Ariba McIntyre's yep. song about sex work. Yep. <laughs> That's objectively hilarious. Yeah. And if you're not laughing at this... You're wrong. (laughs) Find peace with it. Um, (laughs) So uh, Caitlin is initially very put off by Max. She says he's too clean. He doesn't carry a weapon. He seems too nice, too calm. Like he should be more traumatized by all of this, but that's just her projecting. Um, Why aren't you fucked up? Yeah. Hey, why aren't you more traumatized? (laughs) Why are you like this? I haven't even seen you have one flashback, one PTSD related <laughs> meltdown. What? I don't trust you. No laugh crying. <laughs> laugh crying. Yeah. Um so Max explains that the facility that they were just at has motion sensors and if they went past those, then uh they triggered a drone to come and find them. So they need to leave immediately because a military drone is going to track them and then when it finds them, they'll come and they will kill them booker's like "Eh, i don't fucking care climbs on top of the jeep and when the drone comes he just shoots it out of the sky end of discussion booker's not booker doesn't have time for your military bullshit today they explain that they are looking for an ark camp and why they are looking and they are searching for a group called the rejects that was mentioned in the last place that they were at well i guess you're gonna have to go with max then welcome to the rejects guys (laughs) they found you Max introduces them to all of the rejects, which is a traveling encampment of survivors, including Caitlin's pre-apocalypse boyfriend, Nathaniel. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. Oh, so so yeah, an awkward reunion happens. There's a lot of hurt feelings. You know what? I'm just going to go walk into that pool of zombies over there. You know what? This is too much. You know what? I'm just going to, yeah. Goodbye. (laughs) 
Goodbye. So Caitlin, Booker, and Nicole meet with all of the elected officials, the elected leaders of the rejects, including Nathaniel. He's amongst amongst the elected. Well, yeah, he's the treasurer. I can't remember what I, he I is, was just, but treasurer is funny because, you know, there's no money in the apocalypse. Well, that's why they gave him that job, because he's useless. Yes, yeah, because he's useless. No, he's, I'm, he's, he's, he's a nice guy. He's a little upset right now because his girlfriend came back and she's married to another guy but oh yeah caitlin and booker consider themselves to be wed you Uh, got married to the first guy you met after the apocalypse (laughs) that sounds like some me shit if i'm being honest with you (laughs) katie is that you yeah oh Uh, god imagine that we get separated for like a week yeah and I come back and you're like, oh, this is my hunt. I was gone for a week. <laughs> you didn't even know I was dead. Yeah. I, I panicked. I married the first guy I saw. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know me. <laughs> you come on and make this a polycule situation. Why choose, motherfucker? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ah, uh, you roped me uh, into one of your smutty, smutty. We got you. We got you. We got you. <laughs> it's trope time. Let's go. You started a, a zombie apocalypse to rope me into a polycule. <laughs> Don't put it past me. I wouldn't. <laughs> okay, so while they're in this conversation with these leaders, they learn a few things. So these people were once in the Ark, but they were removed after blood tests were performed on them by the Ark doctors. They were just bust out, left in like the desert <laughs> to die, basically. <laughs> You guys going to leave us with any food? Okay, goodbye. Yeah, because uh, surprising no one, the continue the, the military continues to be inhumane and awful yeah, it's in great. all of this. Um, Nathaniel, though, is pretty sure that Scott is now in the Ark in Iowa, which is just over the border. The only thing standing between them and that Ark is the, the Sea of Zombies, <laughs> which they call the Mother Horde, which I love. The Mother Horde. <laughs> We've hit the Mother Horde. Um so Caitlin theorizes that the Iowa Ark is working on a cure, and that's why they were removing survivors who couldn't be used as test subjects after the blood tests were done, and that's why they're maintaining the mother horde so that they have easy access to as much of the virus as they could possibly need. Yeah. They decide that what they're going to need to do is go to Iowa with as many of the rejects as are willing to volunteer to go with them as reinforcements. Um, they'll try to find Scott, and they will also find Max's husband and daughter, who are also missing, oh, good. and were in, and were in the Ark as well. Um, and they'll take anybody else that they can find, anybody that they can rescue, because they are assuming that this camp is not a good place to be because mm-hmm. the military is awful. Being inside their camp is not going to be any better than being outside of it, right? Then their talk is cut short when a scouting party returns with an injured member. Max cleans her wounds, but um, he finds a bite and there's nothing that they can do about it. So they put her in a tent and they let her sit with her family until she changes and then they kill her. Mm. That night is really heavy. They eat dinner. They share war stories. There's a lot of emotions. I was crying again. It was a lot, but it like in a good way, but it, it was a lot. In their tent that night... Caitlin makes Booker promise that if she is ever bitten, he won't let her turn. He'll just kill her because she doesn't. She wants to go out still knowing who she is and still remembering everything. She doesn't want the yeah. virus to take her brain. So fucking heavy. Yeah. So bleak. So sad. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh no! I mean, there there is a reason that zombies endure. Yeah. Not not unlike the zombies themselves. Mm-hmm. Zombie stories endure. There. It's just there. It. It can be they can be used as stand-ins for I mean you know George Romero famously I think it was Dawn of the Dead the one in the, the which one whichever one was in the mall and it was like they were standing Day of the Dead Day of I the believe. Dead was you know an allegory for consumerism mm-hmm. and capitalism and that sort mm-hmm. of thing you can use them in various ways and they're just fucking terrifying mm-hmm. yeah they're terrifying and awful the original Dawn of the Dead is one of the most traumatizing movies I've ever seen yeah. I do you remember how mad I was when that movie was over? How yeah. pissed I was? No, yeah. I'm still pissed, and I'll be pissed till the day I die. <laughs> the day I die, I'm gonna be mad because uh, racism. But um, <laughs> so the next day, they plan and they strategize and they speechify until they have 20 volunteers willing to go with them to Iowa. With they have a plan, and with a little bit of luck, they will break into the ark. They'll find their loved ones, and they will liberate whoever they can. They debate 
with the leaders about moving camp because it's time like on on the timeline of the rejects they have to move now but they need more time to to set up this infiltration plan they can't do that if the rejects leave mm-hmm. so they go to like the leader's tent they talk about it during this scene nathaniel implies that caitlin is only with booker because he is how she is surviving he completely discounts her own strength her own ability her own survival skills eat shit nathaniel Re- reminds her why they're no longer together you fucking dick neck of a man like i got so mad i was like this bitch killed a zombie with a hatchet in chapter one and he's over here like well y'all you're just you're just an advertising executive caitlin it's not like you can do anything (laughs) nathaniel you go walk into the mother horde fuck you guess guess who's still here talking to you motherfucker yeah me yeah she survived for like two weeks on her own before she met booker yeah so fuck you shithead anyway i got all mad and i lost my notes (laughs) um classic katie yeah after that conversation they leave uh caitlin stomps out and booker and caitlin follow uh, booker and nicole follow directly behind her they are a unit they are they are the found family they are not separating for any reason so if caitlin's leaving they're all leaving booker suggests that they cut nate a little bit of slack not because he's not a shithead, but because he lost Caitlyn. Imagine how upset he must be because Caitlyn's fucking incredible. And now Nathaniel's like, I lost her. Okay, fair, sweet man. <laughs> if there's anything that's going to make me feel a little better about my ex-boyfriend being a shit, it's going to be you saying you're so incredible that anything <laughs> other than having you would be devastating. Okay, okay, I get it. I mean, he didn't call me a tater tot hot dish, but he it's pretty He did not close. call her a tater tot hot dish. Step it up, book. (laughs) While out on a scouting trip near the mother horde, they find fresh tire tracks and follow them to a vehicle, which is in pristine condition, shows no signs of having just drove through thousands of zombies. They determine the car is transmitting a sound that repels zombies. The vehicle is military and it is probably from the Iowa Ark. It's not a it's not a military vehicle though. It's a Mustang, which just seems so appropriately army. It, w- it, it, should, it should be a Dodge Charger. I was just gonna say it'd make, more, <laughs> it'd make a lot more sense if it was either a a Dodge Charger or B a minivan with the government plates oh, on yeah. it that the recruiters drive everywhere yeah, to go. Yeah. <laughs> Or like a Ford F one fifty. Yep. And there you just go. some some dumb dude dude yeah. car. But I know guys when they get recruited tend to buy Dodge Chargers. No, that's the first. They, they go overseas. They don't spend any money while they're over there. They get their hazard pay. They're over there for sixteen months or whatever. They come back, then they buy the Dodge Charger. Oh, okay, fair, fair. But anyway, this car is a Mustang. Um, they decide that the, what they're going to do is they're going to steal that car if it's transmitting a signal that can make the zombies go away. They're going to steal the car. Yeah. They incapacitate the occupants. It's not on. It's not shown. But Caitlin's like, we're going to have to we're going to have to take them out. And Booker's like, Caitlin, we can't just kill people. She's like, I meant knock them out. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. Knock them out and put them in a closet. They'll have enough to deal with without their car. We don't have to kill them. Sheesh. Uh, so that's what they do. That night at the vote. Uh, most of the rejects decide that they are going to go to Iowa. They all have missing loved ones. They're all hoping to find someone and they're all a little bit pissed at the military for kicking them out. So yeah, they will head out uh, before daybreak, infiltrate at shift change and complete their mission. Quote, weeks of searching and hope and hoping boiling down to about half an hour of courageous effort. They have all, they have it all planned out. They have 37 minutes to do this. They've been searching for months, 37 minutes. That night, Booker presents Caitlin with a necklace that he stole from a jewelry store while they were scavenging in Tennessee. Aww. But he promises that he'll get her a ring to make things, to make their marriage more real. She's like, I don't need a fucking ring. This is great. It's a little bird. Yeah. A little silver bird on a chain. It's the cutest. It's the cutest. And then they have sex in their tent. And it is long and it is slow and loving and it is wonderful and delicious. Booker finally has the time to do his favorite thing, eat Caitlin out forever. <laughs> um <laughs> Until she threatens his life if he doesn't fuck her. <laughs> I just I just love that. She was like, if you don't get that dick up here, I'm going to shoot you. And she has a gun, so fucking believe her. She'll do it. Yeah. Um, Earth shattering orgasms later, they go to sleep. 
the zombie repellent in the morning, the zombie re- repellent car works perfect. They drive straight through the horde. They just part like the decaying Red Sea. And um, they, they, call, <laughs> they, go right, they go right to the Ark and they get in without incident because they're, in they're in a military vehicle. They call it the Trojan Mustang, which I think is really <laughs> funny. Um, yes. And they take out the guards at the gate. It's Caitlin, Booker, Nicole, Nathaniel, and Max. And Fancy are all actually doing the infiltrating. Um, They all have their jobs and they're ready to go. So they take out the guards. They make their way into the dorms and they find all of the captive residents are like, oh, thank fuck. We were hoping someone would come. Get your shit. We're leaving Mm -hmm. immediately. This place is awful. So with the help of a woman named Donna... Uh, who is amongst the survivors living here they clear out all of the civilians and then they head towards a bus that they have commandeered to get them out of the facility again they find scott they find scott hooray scott is there but he refuses to leave he says that the military has forced them with violence they beat the shit out of them if they say no to create a vaccine and in the morning they will start testing on human subjects those human subjects are orphaned children because the military because the military can always get worse is what i wrote in my notes (laughs) (laughs) just when you think it can yeah just when you think it can't get any worse they're going to start testing theoretical zombie vaccine on orphaned kids so where little kids where are caitlin and nicole from new york new york and so how the hell did scott get to iowa well, because he was in he was in an arc on the East Coast and got moved to this facility <sighs> because he's a doctor. Yep. That put tracks. him on the medical team. Okay. That a lot sense. of this is luck. And they recognize that it's luck. Still no, no, works it, though. It, it, yeah. It, no, I, I was just curious. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, he got moved here as part of this specific arc's job of trying to create a vaccine. They head to the quarantine area to rescue the children because Scott is not going to leave without the children and they are in a separate location. Caitlin, Nathaniel, and Nicole converge just as Scott comes out with a large group of kids. Um, But Booker is still inside the building getting the the littlest ones out. There is a moment where he comes walking out holding a three-year-old baby and I was like, bomb the whole fucking facility. Yep. They were going to test on a three-year-old? Yep. And I and I burn ju- it to the ground. I just looked over at our digital picture frame and saw our two and a half year old. Yes, and was having that exact thought. Oh my god! And then you said that. Oh yeah. Oh, the worst. The worst choices being made. Caitlin and Nathaniel go in just as Booker is bringing out the kids. They hide. They point the kids out of the building. They get the kids out while Booker, excuse me, has to fight guards that have come in from the other end of the building they're in a cafeteria so you know imagine mm-hmm. two ends uh the guards are coming from this way they're trying to leave the other way booker starts fighting them caitlin provides suppressing fire but before booker can get clear so they can get away they hear the click of a safety and a commanding wa- officer walks out pointing a gun at booker saying it's been a long time, Gunny. So he fucking knows who Booker is. Yep. He is Booker's former commanding officer. And that is the last thing we get because that's the fucking cliffhanger, Gwendolyn. <laughs> we are interviewing you next week and I have choice words. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Two day. Well, the interview will be two days after this episode drops yes. and then it'll drop at the end of the month. Yep. But uh, Gwendolyn, don't worry. I'll calm her down <laughs> in the interim. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I am I am feeling a lot of feelings, but I wouldn't be feeling these feelings if she wasn't so good at her job. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it's great. It's a fantastic book. It is bleak and sad and dark in its own way. It's not like a dark it's not like the dark romances, because I'm reading one of those right now for fun. And that one is twist like twisted 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 everybody needs therapy nobody should be touching each other we should all be in <laughs> grippy socks and soft rooms uh <laughs> but this this is dark in its own special very sad way um but it's also again a beautiful love story and booker and caitlin are i'm crossing my fingers and saying like this they are like this they're so strong and i love them as a couple Mm -hmm. i think they're so great and now nicole has scott back so i'm happy for that 
I'm sure they're going to get out of this. Maybe they will even burn this motherfucker down because there is no reason why there's no reason why a military unit who are like, yeah, it's totally cool to test experimental drugs on three year olds should possibly be allowed to survive. No, no, you, you, you burn, you burn it all to the ground at that point. You do. You kill everyone and burn it down. There's no point in letting them continue. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Blood Moon, my love. Thank you so much. No, that was great. I mean, I I love I love zombies. I love fucking. So <laughs> if you're gonna, you know, write a book about yeah. zombies that has fucking in it, yeah, I'm gonna be mm-hmm. all about it. Yeah, there's there's more zombie apocalypse books out there. I I if you like zombies and fucking, maybe you should read one. There's I think the series is called. There's just two books in it: flesh and skin. By Kylie Scott. Mm-hmm. I think it's Kylie Scott. And those ones are set in Australia. So those ones are fun. You've mentioned those. Before. I have. I yeah. think I mentioned them the last time that we, we did this because they're the other major zombie apocalypse books I've read. But mm-hmm. those are more like climbing into the mall or like trying to keep peace in the survivor camps. Yeah. Not this. This shit is wild. This <laughs> shit is, like I said, bleak. The Walking Dead. I imagine it smells awful. Like I just, it's gotta be, it's terrible. It's terrible there. Oh yeah. It's terrible there. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I remember having that thought many times when I watched the walking dead. I, I do that a lot with video games. Like it can't smell good in this world. Oh yeah. <laughs> smells well, like they in like, um, left a big Mac on the dashboard in, in gross. Texas. Yikes. Like in, um, what are those books you love? Those games you love so much? The dark souls games, yeah. the from soft games. Yeah. Uh, specifically, not the Dark Souls games, but the horror one. Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Everything's covered in blood in that world. It's got to smell so bad. That one is terrible. The uh, werewolf guy. I bet he fucking reeks. Yeah, terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Uh, I can't remember the. I can't remember the name of the area in Elden Ring, but where everything is, it's inf- infected with the scarlet rot. Oh yeah. The phrase "scarlet rot" yeah. is very evocative, yep. and it, it 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 can't smell good. In Dark Souls, those like, like festering oozy swamps yep yeah Blight that's town gotta, that's gotta smell bad not great it's gotta smell bad i'm not into that but i would like to know yeah what you're into what am i into what I'm are you so into glad this week? you asked this week today specifically and for all time forever i am into the album camp by childish gambino oh it's so good fuck yeah yes i'd marry you all over again <laughs> if i could just for you saying that holy I, fuck I was having such a bad day, and then I heard the song. I can't remember. I I heard it on TikTok, and then I made a TikTok of me lip syncing to mm. part of Bonfire. Yeah, I love that. That album is so good from beginning to end. I just started it, and I listened to it all the way through while I was doing my yard work, and it made me feel so much better. And Donald Glover is a fucking genius. It's some of the best wordplay in rap. It's so and all the beats are so good and then at the very very end of um, the power is the last Mm -hmm. song there's that beautiful monologue he does about like your first love at summer camp and running into them later it's just oh man god that's a good fucking album i mean childish gambino is amazing this is america is a is going to be a historically significant song Mm -hmm. i feel like in our history but camp chef's kiss gold so good. What are you into? I am into the Immaculate Grid. Yeah, you are. I am. I have been obsessed with this. Uh, it's It started in April. It's, it's run through the sports reference pages, in this case specifically baseball reference. It is my favorite time waster. Uh, it's a simple, and they have it for multiple sports, but it is a simple three by three grid. So you have three vertical columns. And you have three horizontal rows. And at the top of the column, they'll have either uh, a logo or some qualifier. And then along each uh, row, they'll have another uh, logo or qualifier. So, you know, like, you know, the top left square will have the Detroit Tigers logo and then the uh, on, on top of it. And then on the left side, it'll have the L.A. Dodgers logo. And that means that you have to name a player that played for both the Dodgers and the Tigers, uh, and then you could say, uh, Kirk Gibson, or J.D. Martinez, or you know, probably somebody else that I'm forgetting right now, and it just, it's, and you get nine guesses, so if you miss one, uh, you're out, 
And I, I, I love playing it because I love testing my baseball knowledge. And also I love any opportunity that I can plug in my, my great uncle Wilmer, uh, into an answer. Uh, today he was yeah. an answer. I know and how proud you are that you have a great uncle who was a baseball that's right. star. It's that's so right. cool. He, you know, so point zero six percent of the people that responded to that particular question uh, used uh, my uncle Wilmer. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm into right now. Eventually I'm going to run out. I'm going to catch up. I think they're on like grid one ninety three. And I'm going back for backwards from I think I'm at like 75 now. I do the daily one and then I go backwards and do more. Uh, so that's what I'm into uh, this week. Do you have anything else that you would like to say to our, our fair listeners before I do my thing? Fucking keep up the good work on Spooky Smuttober, man. Read, write, live, laugh, fucking love. I just... I just love this podcast. I feel so much better after making it. I know, you know right? What I mean, well, that's why. Like, I, I I know that by the end of the week, we're usually just just torched. Yeah, and we can get a little testy and a little, you know, and it, you know, like the dog was being shitty before, and I grabbed his little toy, and I I wasn't trying to like I was just trying to get his attention, so I was like launched his plastic toy, and I was like, you bark one more fucking time, and but now I feel great. Yeah, I feel, I feel great. so much better. Oh, I guess I will say, uh, listener. If you are out there and you are writing something and you want me to read it, please send it to me. I'll read it. I will read it. We got a we got an email from a listener this week. I'm not going to say their name or anything because I didn't ask them for permission to talk about them on the podcast. But they told me that they were writing something that they wanted to write, but it, it was heavily based around cheating and um, a cuckolding kink. And they knew that I didn't like that. So they were like, I'll find, I can find something else, but I would like if you could read some of it. No, just send it to me. I will read it for you. I'll read it for you, listener. I'll read anything for you. <laughs> I swear to God I will. She's not That's what I have to say. All right. Well, I'm glad that you've said that. But in the meantime, you can find us on social media. We are on TikTok and Instagram at Cheap Smut. If you'd like to send us an email, you yes. can do so. Cheap Smut Pod at gmail.com uh, if you like the book that we talked about you can find a link to our link tree in the show notes and at the top of that link tree will be a link to that book we have been doing this show since February and I have been doing that since February <laughs> and I haven't said a fucking word about it until October 13th yeah, you can go into our link tree and find the book and get it yes and it is and please do yeah. again I don't I don't do them on the show if I didn't love them they're all worth a read the song that you hear in this and every episode is called Nostalgia by Makai Beats. You can find it along with thousands of other songs free of charge for you to use at the Free Music Archive, freemusicarchive.org. What is on our agenda for next week? Next week, next week we are reading Monster Mash by Latrexa Nova, and we are going to have a special guest next week, yes? Yes, we are going to have uh, my friend, my act, uh, actor or comedian, Aaron Callahan, uh, is going to be joining us next week. She is hilarious, and I cannot wait for her to be regaled uh, with this tale uh, that you are going to tell us both. Yes, yeah, and I can't, I can't wait to tell her because Monster ba- Monster Mash by Latrexanova is a sentient object romance, and you know I have a special place in my heart for sentient object romance. But this one is sentient Halloween decorations, and I am fucking stoked. <laughs> if someone doesn't fuck a 12-foot skeleton, I quit. Uh, I know, right? I thought the same thing, but I will give Latrexa the benefit of the doubt. I don't know when this book came out, so I don't know if it came out before the 12-foot skeleton existed. Fair. But if it came out after, and nobody fucks that 12-foot skeleton, for shame. <laughs> for shame. <laughs> Anyway, listener, if there is a book in you, write it and then send it to me. And if there's fucking in it, I'll read it. And then she will come on this show and explain it to me for your entertainment. Now, I have to wake this sleepy puppy up so he can go pee. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.